Happy Friday, Story Fam. Are you ready or not? Christmas is right around the corner. And we're getting ready here at the story for the Christmas season. This Sunday, we'll be starting a brand new sermon series called A 2020 Christmas, The Weary World Rejoices. I think it's a timely series that uh, you'll all enjoy. So, uh, And I think you'll get a lot out of it. So I, I hope to see you there. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, 8.30, 9.45, or 11.05, either in person or online. Um, however you can worship with us, I hope that you will as we start this new series. Now, for most of us, Christmas can be a very materialistic time of year. But with this week's Friday Grace and Truth Reflection, I'd like to draw your attention to the spiritual side of the season ahead. Most people that I know and talk to regularly don't seem to really believe in the spiritual realm of angels and demons. Some do, but a lot of people, even if they say that they do, uh, they don't really live it. You know, if they, if they really believed in things like angels and demons and spiritual principalities, I think they'd be living completely different lives. And the same goes for me. It's not just other people. Most of us have been so completely steeped in a materialistic worldview that the mystical realm has become the stuff of fantasy. But these two worldviews represent the choice that we all have to make. You're either going to be a materialist or you'll be a mystic. Most of us are faithful materialists. And by that, I don't mean we like to shop and buy things, although that's part of it. To have a materialistic worldview basically means you understand the physical world to be all that matters. You might even believe the physical world is all that exists. The Greek philosopher Democritus, who is called the father of materialism, once said that all that exists is atoms and empty space. Everything else is opinion. Now, what usually follows from this worldview of materialism is the demotion of demons and angels and spirits and souls to the realm of the human imagination. Materialists will say that human beings should have grown out or evolved out of the supernatural belief system years ago. Even some Christian leaders and popular preachers and authors will say these days that we should stop talking so much about angels and demons or freaking people out. We should just focus on the problems that exist in the physical world today, stuff we, we can really do something about, like violence and poverty, climate change and inequality, for example. Liberal materialists look at the evil in the world today and they think if we were just nicer, if we were better people to our enemies, the world would be a better place. We wouldn't have terrorists if the government was meeting everyone's needs. On the other hand, conservative materialists see the evil in the world today and think if we were just more aggressive with our enemies, the world would be a better place. We wouldn't have terrorists if they were all dead. Now, mystics look at both of these approaches and see just this misguided effort on both sides. Fixing evil with government programs or with weapons of war is like seeing a city ablaze and saying, if I only had a glass of water, I could put it out. Mystics know you can't fix a spiritual problem with a material solution. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Tolkien illustrates the difference between materialists and mystics with acute precision. Frodo Baggins and the rest of the hobbits from the Shire were basically materialists. It's not that they were bad people, they just were simple-minded folks. They ate a lot, drank a lot, partied a lot, and that's about it. Hobbits didn't tend to go much deeper than that. But when Frodo took possession of the One Ring, his worldview began to shift. 
he became keenly aware that there is more going on in the world than food and beer and hanging out with friends. And the first time that it really hit him was when the Black Riders attacked him in the first book. Frodo fell down and the ring accidentally slid onto his finger, and when it did, his eyes were immediately opened to another reality, another realm of spiritual forces made of light and darkness, a realm that had been there all along, but Frodo had never seen it until that moment. Of course, Frodo overcame his adversity and resisted the temptation of the ring's power, thus saving Middle-earth from the Dark Lord Sauron. I feel like a dork right now. My apologies if you're unfamiliar with Tolkien's masterpiece. But it wasn't because of Frodo's strength or his intelligence that he overcame. Frodo's power came from his innocence. At one point in the first book, the leaders held a council to decide who would be the one to take the ring into Mordor. And as all the men argued and fought amongst themselves, Frodo, who was half their size, said in a effeminized voice, I will take it, I will take it. The only reason he was capable of saving the world was because he had within him the innocence of a child. In Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5, uh, we find this account. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. There's something powerful about the innocence of children. I think part of Satan's strategy is to make us believe that innocence is something to be grown out of, that to be innocent is to be naive or gullible. But Jesus said only those who see the world like children will ever see the kingdom of God. All this time, we adults have been trying to make children more like us when we should have been trying to become more like them. When my kids were little, we spent nearly every Saturday afternoon at one of Houston's amazing local parks where we'd swing, play chase, and maybe even a round of hide-and-seek if they were lucky. And every time, they wore me out. I was always done playing before they were. But every time I told my kids that I was done, they would beg me to keep going. Again, Daddy. Again, please. And of course, I'm a big softie, so I'd get up and play some more until I could barely move. Children come wired to find joy, endless, boundless joy, in the simplest things, over and over again, because their hearts are pure and innocent. We think they should grow out of it one day. Jesus said, we adults should grow back into it. One of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton, wrote this about the innocence of children. He wrote, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, 
and our father is younger than we. The Christmas season is nearly upon us, the time of year when all of us are tempted by materialism. The food, the drinks, the parties, the shopping. But I hope this Christmas is different for us. Before the plastic, the paper, and the parties, I hope we see the child in Mary's arms. And when we do, I hope we're awestruck at the thought of the magical moment in history when for a time our father was younger than we. And the Almighty God came to us, not as a grown man, powerful and strong, but as an innocent child, bringing joy to a world in despair. That's all for today, everybody. I hope to see you this Sunday in person or online at The Story as we start our brand new series, A 2020 Christmas, The Weary World Rejoices. I love y'all. Bye-bye.